Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. We're back, OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. We'll be joined by Ken Carmen here coming up very soon. Cleveland sports radio host on 92.3 The Fan. I've gone on Ken's show, very popular, probably the most popular show up in, uh, in uh, North Northeast Ohio or Northwest Ohio? I'm trying to look at the Northeast Ohio. Uh, Northern Ohio, Cleveland area. Ken Carmen does a terrific job. We'll talk to Sean Watson coming back, taking on the Texans. We'll talk Ohio State losing to, uh, to Michigan. We'll get into a lot of different things with Ken Carmen, who should be really good coming up very soon. Hutton, Thursday night football tonight, though, first. Um, what do you expect to see? We're going to get into your one big thing on every NFL game coming up. But I'm curious, what do you expect to see from the Bills tonight? Because this is a team of expectation, right? Coming into the season, this was one, they, it's Super Bowl or bust for yeah. this team. Yep. I think that's, that's fair to say for this group right now. What do you want to see against the Patriots tonight for them? Well, they, they over the last two seasons, have dominated the New England Patriots. Um, in the four wins of the last five games between these two organizations – the average margin of victory has been 18 and a half points for Buffalo. So, and that's, that's primarily through the arm of Josh Allen. He's averaging 311 passing yards per game in his last four victories against New England's defense, which is a good defense. He's averaging four touchdown passes per game against Belichick and their game plan for him. And I think you want to see the elements there click. The red zone opportunities for Buffalo have been have what kept them is what's allowed them to take a step back towards the rest of the AFC more than it is control the front seat of the of the driver's seat and uh, have the the bus going through Orchard Park instead of Kansas City they took a blow today I mean Von Miller's officially on injured reserve and he was the missing piece to a pass rush that they felt they needed to add an exclamation mark to. They're also considering Odell Beckham Jr., of course. Many teams are, including KC, Dallas, maybe a a couple of others mixed in there. But, Chad, this is still a team that has all the pieces. And it starts at quarterback, but from Diggs to Davis, um, they've got to be more consistent in the run game, but at the same time, their consistency comes through Josh Allen more than it does Singletary or any back that they're going to put back there. So can they, can they find pieces in the run game that can complement the passing attack? Sure, maybe. But really this comes down to does Josh Allen ball out in the red zone or does he throw picks? And recently he's been throwing some ill-timed interceptions that have not allowed Buffalo to close out games despite them leading at certain stretch runs of this. New England is a very up-and-down team. We know that. New England is a team that's going to keep the games tight for the most part. 
what we saw that last week against Minnesota. Buffalo's on a different plane, though, compared to the talent level in New England. And I think you ask expectations. This is a good measuring stick to see where Buffalo is compared to last year to this year, just like we're looking at Cincinnati and what they did to the Titans last year to this year, what the Cincinnati Bengals did to the Chiefs last year. Can they do it this week? This is an interesting matchup uh, that I would put at the front of the list because the, the Bills right now at 0-2 in the division, I mean, at some point you have to look ahead and say, well, maybe the Dolphins are just going to win it. They're going to win yeah. the AFC East. I'm still not there yet. I still think Buffalo's fine. I'm not concerned about them. Maybe after tonight I will be. And I think for Buffalo fans, it's a lot like the SEC. When it comes to the Patriots in this game twice a year, it just means more. Uh, this, is, this is a rival they point to. They, they, they hate Bill Belichick. They hate the dominance of the Patriots for years and years of that division. So in terms of division rival, this is one that means a lot to the fan base. Not that that matters to this team necessarily, uh, but I do think it means a lot to them. Uh, the Titans-Eagles game is certainly one, Hutton, that means a lot to A.J. Brown. And he met with media this week. Should mean a lot to Traylon Burks and the Titans as well. It should, yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to this uh, and talk about it a little bit later. But first, Ken Carmen is on with us right now. Ken is with 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Uh, and uh, I've gone on his show a number of times. Does a terrific job covering all things Cleveland sports. At Ken Carmen uh, on Twitter. Ken, welcome in, man. Appreciate you doing this. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you having me on. So what has the buzz been like with Deshaun Watson playing this week? Not, not in Cleveland, but going on the road to Houston. We have John McClain on every week and talks about the Houston perspective of it, which honestly he just says no one cares because the Texans are so bad that it's kind of gone away. Has the story gone away at all with, with, with Browns fans? No, I, I think that you have some people who are feeling a little trepidatious about it. Um, you know, they're, they're, you go from Jacoby Brissett, who is, is not the world's best quarterback, but he played well and, and, and is a really good guy to, you know, somebody where we don't know and we'll never know exactly what happened with the accusations. Uh, but there are people who have drawn their own conclusions and there are people who have said, you know what? It's, it's an entertainment business. It's professional sports. I'm a Browns fan. I'm going to root for him. Okay, no big deal. There's people who said, I'm done. I'm done. And the Browns, for their credit, you know, they've been, um, they've been pretty open-minded to it. And people who've been out, okay, if you ever want to come back, you know, we got tickets. Uh, but the people who've been in, come on into the stadium. We'll be open here in a couple of weeks. And welcome in the Ravens. And he'll be playing for us. And, um you know, off they go. So I think a lot of people are very curious, regardless of of what they may feel about it. There were some people who were big Baker Mayfield fans um, who are a little bit upset. But, um, you know, when you have an 11-game head start and Baker hasn't played very well, kind of changes that perspective a whole lot. So it's a it's a it, it's a big it's a big map. And just there's points all over the place of how people feel about it emotionally. Ken Carmen, our guest, on Outkick 360. Ken, I'm curious. So I didn't know. I, I felt like if they were around 500 by the time week 13 got around, maybe Cleveland's making a push for the seventh seed. Again, this is August discussion. But where they are now, I'm not really sure where the expectations are for where this Browns team will finish. But 
all eyes are on Watson. I'm wondering, what does it need to be for Stefanski to feel okay? Because, I mean, Deshaun Watson's contract basically gives him NBA precedence where if the guy doesn't like his coach, he can say he doesn't like his coach. And there's not many players in the NFL that can do that like we see in the NBA. Point being, how do they need to finish to actually have momentum with the current regime moving forward? Or do you think it actually gets changed? Um, I, I think that Kevin Stefanski's safe. Now, his assistants are a different story. Okay. And, um, okay. you know, his, his his coordinator, Joe Woods, has been under fire. His, his special teams coordinator, uh, Mike Prefer, has been under fire. Uh, special teams have been, in terms of coverage, have been a disaster. Defensively, they finished... You know, in total defense, and we know that that's a that can be a skewed stat. But in total defense, they were top five last year, right? At the end of the regular season, they've been terrible this year. They were decent. They were decent last week. Uh, they've been decent in a couple of games, but for the most part, they've just been ran over and have just gotten pounded by a lot of these different offenses, especially Buffalo in the second half, Miami in the second half of that football game. It was it was very difficult. So, Joe Woods has come under fire now. With Deshaun Watson, you know, a good offense, complimentary football, it can change things. You know, I did say, and I said, don't shoot the messenger, and some fans got upset with me earlier this week when I said, Joe Woods' job could be saved by Deshaun Watson. They go 4-2 and two or 5-1, and one, and Deshaun Watson sure. plays well. The winning cures a lot of things, and coaches don't want to fire their assistants. I would assume that Kevin Stefanski has the power of who stays and who goes within his, within his staff. Coaches don't want to fire assistants. Fans didn't want to hear that. They want Joe Woods gone. But the truth's the truth. So that might be a problem to the fan base, but if the team's looking good and they're winning, I think the fans will cautiously accept it going into the 2023 season. But I think unless the bottom completely falls out and they are just on totally different pages over this six-game stretch, I think Kevin Stefanski's perfectly fine going into 2023. Ken, what's your realistic expectation of what what you want to see from Deshaun Watson? Let's not take the, the, the ceiling and the floor approach, right? This is the best case. This is the worst case. What do you think is realistic for Deshaun Watson from a play standpoint in helping this Browns team coming back after a, a two-year absence? I think that that Houston, if it weren't for his history and his history with the Houston Texans, the Texans would be the perfect opponent because you can turn around and hand the ball off to Nick Chubb and just run down. And they've proven time and time again, you can just run the ball down their throats and they'll, they'll roll over and die and you can get out of there with a win and get back on the plane and head home. Because of his history and because of his history in Houston, it might be anything but. So I think he might be a little antsy. He admitted today he doesn't necessarily know how he's going to react. It's been a long time since he's played football uh, in that sense, in, in a competitive atmosphere. So he admitted today he didn't know how he was going to react to things. We'll see what he does on Sunday. I Personally, I, I would probably be a bit conservative about it. I'd hand the ball to Nick Chubb. I'd hand the ball to Kareem Hunt. Um, I might take a couple of shots down the field, see if I can loosen them up a little bit. But other than that, I'd probably be pretty conservative and get get ready for Cincinnati. Just get down to Houston, deal with whatever's going to go on down in Houston, hopefully win the game and get the hell out of there with a win and get back up to Cleveland and get ready for Cincinnati. (laughs) Ken Carmen is our guest here on Outkick 360. 
Ken, so Joe Rexroad, who's based in Nashville, writes for The Athletic, wrote a piece in a column speculating about how Mike Vrabel, Titans head coach and former Ohio State player, would be the perfect coach for Ohio State. And my immediate thought was, are people really that upset with Ryan Day as, as Ohio State fans? Um, obviously, losing two in a row to Michigan is not ideal, but what, what, what is the reaction in your neck of the woods from Ohio State fans? And what, what, I'm sure you've read the column. What do you think about the possibility of Mike Vrabel as Ohio State head coach? I'm not even an Ohio State fan. I'd drive down and go, go get Mike Vrabel myself. I respect him that much as a coach. I think he's that great of a coach. Um, I showed my ass one time. Um, Freddie Kitchens is a good guy. And Freddie would do this thing where he'd just call in the radio show under his own volition. And so when an NFL coach is willing to do that, it buys you currency. And one time we had a um, we had a big fight. My, my co-host and I had a big fight, and I said that I would take Freddie Kitchens over Mike Vrabel, and that's one of the stupidest things I've ever said on the air. And I wear that, and I'm willing to say it to you guys because it was that stupid. I wear it like a, like a scarlet letter of stupidity. And so I, I, I'm more than willing to say that because it, it just needs to be told to everybody that we all say really stupid things at times, and that was as dumb as it gets. I respect Mike Vrabel. I don't know how true it is. I mean, you're dealing with grown men in the NFL. You're dealing with guys in college, especially at Ohio State, who think they have it figured out, and Mike Vrabel knows they do not have it figured out, so that might be frustrating to him. You know, he, he deals with guys who have families, have careers, have aspirations. I think that's something he respects as a man. I think that's something he likes as a man. Um, I'm not sure how much he wants to recruit, but with NIL, does he need to? Does he really need to? I was surprised after they lost on Saturday how angry people were at Ryan Day. I knew it'd be hot if they lost. I didn't know it was going to be that hot. And I thought about it and I said, you know, I can't really blame Ohio State fans. And the reason I can't blame them is because it's one of the few programs out there, and it might be maybe the only one, where you have four billionaire boosters that support that program. And they can buy any coach they want. And if that job came open now, every coach living and some dead would either consider or want that job. So when when Ohio State fans get upset, I know his record. His record's 45 and 5. I mean, 40, 45 and 5. He's incredible. He's done a great job. But you don't beat Michigan, and you get emasculated while you don't beat Michigan, you have problems. And he has problems now with this fan base at Ohio State. Now we'll see what happens next year. He's not going to get fired. But – he may want to go to the NFL, but at the same time, what did I just say about this job? How many jobs would you leave Ohio State for if you knew you were making probably double-digit million dollars or at least $9 million? You got all the resources in the world. It's hard to do that and go to the Houston Texans. You know, difficult to do so. So if Ryan Day wanted to leave, I mean, he can, but you're not going to find many, many organizations quite like Ohio State. I'm eager to see the vibe next week, Ken. If and I, I think uh, we we think we're going to have some losses and some craziness in conference championship weekend. I don't know how you feel about it, but Ohio State could very well be in the college football playoff. But if they're not, you know, the story was out that they don't want to go to the the Rose Bowl again. Um, 
I mean, if they're not playing in the Rose Bowl, what bowl is going to keep the interest of the locker room for a team that's not in the college football playoff? And the momentum and how quickly things would have turned off of that loss in consecutive seasons to Michigan, that's an interesting temperature gauge going into an offseason for day. I don't know why you wouldn't want to go to the Rose Bowl. The, 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 the sun studying over the San Gabriels or whatever. I know they were there last year, but that's – yeah. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, they played the best – that was the most entertaining bowl game of the year last year. Um, I think that's crazy. But who the hell knows? I'm not sure. I, I didn't hear that report. That's a new one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we get them. I don't know what we get them. I think if they didn't make the – if they didn't make the playoff, then you see a lot of guys bow out. But if they got an invitation from the Rose Bowl, I'm going back to the Rose Bowl. I can't believe – I believe some players would say that because young guys are stupid. And I was young and I was stupid before. And then I just told you what I said about Freddie Kitchens, and that wasn't that long ago, so I was still a little bit older and still stupid. But um, <laughs> that's a dumb thing. Those players should want to go to the Rose Bowl if they're invited. That's an honor. I agree. Yeah, and there were, there were some guys that opted out of the, the Rose Bowl a year ago, too. So it's a different era, that, that's for sure. Ken Carmen, 92.3 The Fan uh, in Cleveland, at Ken Carmen on Twitter. Ken, appreciate you doing this. Thanks for hopping on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, the um, the opt-outs are always interesting to me. You've got Will Levis, who's going to the draft, but is still undeclared on whether or not he's going to play in the bowl. So clearly he's waiting to see what bowl, right? He's waiting to see opponent and where they're going, I feel like. I don't know why you wouldn't have made that decision if not. You're just waiting until Sunday yeah. when the bowls are announced to decide if you want to go to that bowl or not at Kentucky. I mean, he's also... He would be playing in the bowl game without the offensive coordinator, which is probably beneficial to him. Yeah. You know? Doesn't it surprise you a little bit, though, that there's that much rage about Brian Day? Well, I, I mean, it's one loss a year. Yeah, but it's not. It's Michigan. Now, get, it's granted, not if you lose, it's how you lose. Right. John Cooper could not beat Michigan. I think he was 2-9 and nine or something like that. And it eventually got him fired. And that was typically the one game they were losing every year. But we're talking like over 10-11 years. Right. This is a two-game losing streak for Ryan Day. But think, that's about, it. think about the about face with Harbaugh at Michigan now, though. You know, at this time last year, there was a fervor pitch prior to the upset win over Ohio State at the time. Was is he going to be out? And you know, he took the interview with the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was, and now it's no questions, no concerns. They're going back to the college football playoff for the second consecutive season. And you watch that game; it's clear that Michigan is now the the daddy of that series. They well, play with a certain yes. reckless abandon slash and the, we are going to do this type mentality. The, yes. that I think that, that it was Ohio State, certainly under Urban Meyer, who was undefeated and, against Michigan, that was their mentality going into and, that game. And thinking about the matchup, Chad, of Michigan and Georgia after we saw Michigan dominate in the trenches Ohio State a year ago. It was like, oh, will this be the most physical team Georgia's face? And then that was not the case. Right. Yeah. There was there was no contest there. But point being, I think Ohio State fans are viewing this as they were bad, that bad in in the trenches, in the in the warfare up front on the lines. And they did it again to them. Yeah. They ran it back on them this past year at home. I think I think that sends more of a, a physical mindset and a tone for a team that couldn't get a fourth and one against Northwestern in a run game where you it's a game where you have to run it based on the elements, and they could not get push against Northwestern's front. 
the daddy mentality. I think I'm going to use that more often now. Uh, and Michigan right now has the daddy You're mentality right. over Ohio State. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, Hutton's got the daddy mentality over his big thing on every NFL game that we do every week. And we're going to break that out when we come back. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We're back on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Chad Withrow, Jonathan Hutton with you on a Thursday. We are coming to you live remotely from Chattanooga. Thanks to Brewer Media for hosting us here today. We are on assignment in Chattanooga. Lovely Chattanooga. Um, Hutton, NFL weekend coming up. And I get excited for your one thing on every NFL guest every single week. And uh, I just wanted to share that with you that I'm very excited right now. Chad's excited. To react to your one big thing on every NFL game. I had no, nothing else to say other than I'm very excited about this. Uh, two, two buys this week, Cardinals and Panthers. Of course, no buys over Thanksgiving week. There's another week of buys coming up in week 14, and then we're done with it for the stretch run down the, the final month of the season. Uh, kicks off tonight, Thursday night football. The Bills against the Patriots. Both teams played on Thanksgiving. So not the short week. They played seven days ago. Buffalo enters week 13, ranked second in the league with 13 interceptions this season. The key stat check here, the Patriots are now plus one in turnover differential. They have 18 takeaways, 17 giveaways on the season. The Bills are also right there at plus one. 20 takeaways, 19 giveaways. So the yin and the yang and... Both of these teams have been living on a thread weekly on how often they give extra possessions. I think it's more imperative in this game that the Patriots don't do that for Buffalo because Buffalo will give the football up a bit. Yeah. And while I think it's going to be cold in Foxborough, I don't think it's nearly the type of conditions that they've faced in regular season matchups of the past. I think they'll... Allen's looking to sling it all over the, the field tonight. And it's a Patriots secondary that's held up fairly well this season with some young talent. And it's all, the Patriots also, does Bill Belichick have the mojo with the game plan to create some turnovers, to frustrate right. this can Bill's offense? Matthew We've seen Judon. that before. Yeah, Matthew Judon, can he take over? We did not see in the playoff game last year. The Bills did whatever or they wanted. Or in the December matchup right. uh, as well. Steelers are limping into a matchup against the Falcons, but the Falcons are the team that should be winning more, but they're not in a bad division. They were close to the playoffs last year. They looked about to repeat the same type of performance this year unless they start to get back to their winning ways and running the football well. The Steelers are 10-1-1 in their last 12 games against the Falcons. And after starting the season 6-0 against the spread, the Falcons are now 1-5 against the spread over the last six games. They have faced some teams that have taken away what they do best running the football. Now, that's also a stretch where Cordero Patterson missed some games. He was not himself last week. 
can they get him back to the Cordero Patterson running back formula within the Arthur Smith offense? And Kenny Pickett in that Monday night football game made some huge plays. Uh, the throw on the two-point conversion, for example, was, was great. Is that the start of his arrival into being the quarterback for, for Pittsburgh? I, I, I'm watching Kenny Pickett as much as, as anyone this weekend in this game against the Falcons. Broncos and Ravens, Denver, they're scoring 14 points per game. That's the worst average by any team in the NFL since the 2000 Cleveland Browns who averaged 10 points per game on the season. That's how bad the Broncos' offense has been. Meanwhile, the Ravens' defense, tremendous against the run. They are not great against the pass, but they're facing a perfect offense to get back on track. However, the Ravens' offense has been holding them back in the second half. They haven't been closing out games because they can't get touchdowns in the red zone. 50% on the season. Red zone efficiency, putting seven on the scoreboard. It's amazing how we're about to enter December of year one after the Russell Wilson trade. And we're not even asking the question of how can Russell Wilson improve? How can he fit better in the offense? The main question is, can this ever work with Russell Wilson? That's how bad it's been. Nathaniel Hackett gets a lot of the blame for this, and he is certainly going to be a one-and-done coach. But isn't it crazy that that's the question? And not sitting here asking, well, if this, this, and this happens, maybe it can get better. The bigger question is, will it ever work anymore with Russell Wilson? It's nuts. It's a a big game for Baltimore. They cannot lose this game to Denver, uh, especially hosting this game against Denver. Green Bay on the road against Chicago. Traditionally, Aaron Rodgers doesn't lose to Chicago. Rodgers says he's playing this week. Justin Fields is back at practice for Chicago as well. The Bears are on a five-game losing streak, however. Fields has been playing better whenever he's in the game. That doesn't necessarily translate to wins as it has losses throughout the strong play. Um, How much longer will we see Rodgers playing for Green Bay? Right now, they're not mathematically eliminated. And moving down the stretch run of the season... When that happens, we probably see a Green Bay franchise that wants to get a look at Jordan Love and assess if they can move forward with their former first-round draft pick that hasn't really played because he's sitting behind a two-time MVP right now and Rodgers, who's not playing like the MVP. He's playing hurt. Definitely feels like a loss in this game, and it is Jordan Love experiment time and see what you have with him moving forward because that would put the Packers at 4-9 and nine after losing the Bears. And I do wonder, Justin Fields has 122 carries for 834 yards. He's been banged up off and on. It's been effective, but how long can you play him as your running back, essentially? What they've done at times. And that's how he, he does it on his own as well. But is that really sustainable? We'll find out. It's better than scoring 10 a game, which is what they were doing to start I the prefer season. points also. Yeah. I too prefer points. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson. One team passed on him in the NFL draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Aiden Hutchinson gets to face the Jags for the first time in his career this Sunday as the Lions will host the Jacksonville Jaguars. Identical records here at 4-7. and seven. Jacksonville currently the favorite in this game. They've lost six straight games dating back to 2020 when they have been the Vegas favorite. Jamal Williams in the backfield now for Detroit. His... 13 rushing touchdowns on the season. Uh, The only other player in Lions history is Barry Sanders that had 
that start with the 13 rushing touchdowns on the season of 16 and 91, 14 and 89 um, at home for uh, for Barry Sanders there. Uh, Jamal Williams doing a nice job over the last couple months of the season. Uh, Jets and Vikings. Sunday will be Mike White's fifth career start. The Jets have averaged 28 points per game in Mike White's four previous career starts. Minnesota can clinch the NFC North. It's week 13. They can clinch the NFC North with a win and a Detroit loss or tie or with a tie in this game and a Detroit loss. That's how separated the NFC North is currently where it's week 13 and we could already have this baby wrapped up with Kirk Cousins and Jefferson and company. If the Jets go up to Minnesota and win and Mike White has a huge game, does he become the Linsanity of New York? <laughs> uh, the Jeremy Lin type story, the, the rocket ship that comes out of nowhere and becomes a phenom. Um, I think that might be the case if they can go up there and win this game and he plays that well. I was very impressed in that driving rain with his performance last week. I think three teams from the NFC East are going to make the postseason. The question is, is the third team going to be the Giants or the Commanders? They're battling this week. Taylor Heineke, speaking of the Linsanity. Heineke's playing very well. These two teams will meet up twice over the next three weeks of the regular season. And the Giants also have matchups coming up against the Eagles as well. They're still in the thick of it. Like that, No one's mentioning the Giants to win the division, but they have four massive uh, divisional matchups coming up where, I mean, they were the surprise to start the season. They've trailed off recently, but Philly's got them twice. They've got the Commanders and Christmas Eve, Philly is traveling to Dallas. Excited about this game. Didn't think I'd be saying that in the preseason, that this would be a game to watch. But uh, I'm excited about this matchup. Very even. I mean, record, home and away record with these two teams so far. It's going to be fun. The Browns have lost seven of their last eight games on the road. They are on the road. Deshaun Watson making his 2022 debut. First time in two years that Deshaun Watson will play in an NFL game. And he plays on the same field where he last played his final snap in the NFL. It came against the Tennessee Titans in week 17 of the 2020 season. The home underdog of a touchdown or more this season in the NFL is 7-0 against the spread. That's where the Texans are right now. And they don't have much to play for there. I am fascinated to watch how the Texans locker room comes out in this game against their former quarterback who walked out and quit on them way before way before any of the other off-the-field accusations took place. Yeah, they're way more angry about that as a football team than everything else surrounding Deshaun Watson in this game. The Titans travel to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles, who have only lost one game on the season. The Eagles set a franchise record last week, rushing for 363 yards as a team. They gained 153 more rushing yards than what was expected based on the average output for the offensive play call and setting down and distance last week. That was pure domination against Green Bay. The Titans have a top five rushing defense, but they're banged up. Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons is on the injury report. Uh, 
there's a litany of issues. The other issue is A.J. Brown is not playing for the Titans. He's playing for the Eagles. That's the one-on-one matchups to watch here. I feel very good about Philly covering the four and a half in this game. But every time I feel very good about a team covering that's favored against the Titans, a Mike Vrabel special tends to pop up and something happens. I don't see it this week, though. Uh, Philly is going to roll. The Titans' losses have been to playoff caliber teams. This is the next measuring stick for them on the road in at the link in Philly. Uh, late afternoon kickoffs. Seahawks and Rams. No Matthew Stafford. No Cooper Cup. And now, no Aaron Donald for the Rams. They're mailing it in. And guess what? It doesn't matter if they lose out. They're not improving their draft stock. Other teams will improve based on them not running it back after the Super Bowl uh, win and performance last Helping year. Helping out all those other teams. Dolphins and 49ers, to me, is the game of the week. McDaniel against Shanahan. Jeff Wilson against his former team that traded him at the deadline in the backfield for a Miami offense that desperately needs to get a run game going. But here's the matchup. It's Miami's really bad and inconsistent offensive line against the most consistent defensive front in the National Football League, the San Francisco 49ers. That's going to be a battle. And if Miami, if what I think happens, happens, We're going to see the vulnerability of the Miami Dolphins and Tua. Armando hit it on earlier. Longevity, health concerns. They they took him out against the Texans up 30-0 while they were trying to pad stats because they could not protect him to start the second half against a defense that was trailing by 30 points. So now they're going against one of the the top defenses in the league and one of the the teams that's starting to turn a corner in San Francisco. This is definitely must-see TV in this game. A great matchup. But I think, Hutton, it's second place to the next game you're about to go to in the late afternoon. Chiefs are on the road in Cincinnati. The Bengals won this head-to-head matchup a year ago in the regular season and the postseason, the AFC Championship game. The Chiefs come in riding hot. Travis Kelsey, he needs 82 receiving yards this season to become the fastest tight end in NFL history to reach 10,000 career receiving yards. And if he does it right now, this week, he'll have reached 10,000 career receiving yards 38 games faster than any other player next to him in line. You know, it goes back to Mahomes doing it too with how quickly he did it 100 more games or 100 earlier games than Troy Aikman whenever he passed a career mark earlier on Monday Night It's Football. a different era, but it doesn't matter. That's still super impressive, regardless of, of what area you're in. He's been, he's been amazing. Chargers and Raiders this week in Vegas. The Raiders had lost six games by seven points or less, and now they've gone back-to-back weeks winning two straight games in overtime. My and Raiders. That's where Carr is really good in overtime. He's 9-2 and two for his You know, career I'm a big believer in, in Josh McDaniels as a head coach, so I really think this is yeah. the guy to rally the troops and hey, get, get them going again. Uh, that's still a talented roster. This, so. so this was a week one matchup where we thought it would be pivotal for the loser of that game. Now, the Chargers won that game, a tight window game in Los Angeles in week one. This is playoffs on the line for the Chargers. You know, they've been... They've been close. Five losses on the season. A game above five. It's time to go. And this is a game you've got to go. Got to go. They're not good against the run. Josh Jacobs has been excellent. And all of a sudden, the Raiders are putting together a winning formula. And for the Chargers, it, 
you're right. It's time. I mean, it is time for this team to take the yeah, next step. Be in the postseason, we've, win this we've game. We've talked about it for two years now. It's time for them to get going. Colts and Cowboys on Sunday night football. Dan Quinn has a lot of familiarity with Matt Ryan. And it's Dan Quinn's defense. Pin the ears back and go against an Indianapolis offense that was not ready for the primetime spotlight on Monday night against Pittsburgh. Don't think they're going to be overly ready for this one either with Matt Ryan uh, facing the heat he's going to be facing from that Cowboys defense in this game. The Colts have not won in Dallas since 1996. The Saints and the Buccaneers, Monday night football. Who wants to win the NFC South? That's It could be any team. Carolina's on a bye. They gonna, can still win the NFC South. They're going to draw straws for it if this continues every week if with everybody losing. If the Bucs lose and the Falcons win, the Falcons will again sit atop the South. But again, all of the teams are at play. That's the Monday night matchup this week. And it's more of a storyline about Brady and whether or not they're going to get things on track and actually look like a team that can win a game in the postseason. Because right now, they look like a team that's just limping to the finish line. And, you know... They look like every other team in their division, quite frankly, yeah. reluctantly in the mix. It's it's an amazing season so far for the Buccaneers from this perspective. They're five and five, and it feels like almost every week it's a dramatic swing in terms of how we view them the rest of the season, right? You go to Germany and they win. It's okay. You know, right. now, now they're gonna figure it out, they're back, they're settled, and then they have an awful loss. You're thinking, what what is going on? But you're right, that is the NFC South also. Hutton, great work. Appreciate it. One of my favorite Appreciate segments. It. So I'm excited. I'm happy about uh, Hutton's segment. Jerry Stackhouse was not happy about a technical foul called on Liam Robbins last night in the Vanderbilt VCU game. We've got some video for you. We're going to discuss it as well when we come back. Crazy scene at VCU as Vanderbilt head coach Jerry Stackhouse gets ejected. That's coming up next. It's Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So Vanderbilt head coach Jerry Stackhouse just lost his damn mind last night at VCU. What was this? Um, 7.59 left in the second half of this game against VCU. And Liam Robbins had a monster dunk. And it was a bad call. It was a weak technical on Liam Robbins. He dunks and he does some sort of sign. It's not the too small. You know, so a lot of guys now they like yeah. to go like they score over someone. They do the yeah. too small thing. He did like a little head check thing, just like put, put something on his head and kept running down the court. Didn't even look at the guy, just kind of tapped his head almost like to come out of the game, you know, after the dunk and then just kept running down the floor and they teed him up for taunting after the, uh, after the dunk. Look, two things can be true here, okay? One, it was a terrible call and I didn't watch the game, but from what I hear from my Vanderbilt fa- uh, friends, it was a poorly officiated game. But you cannot go this crazy when you get ejected 
First off, getting ejected is never a great look, but it happens to coaches, okay? It's, it's, it's happened a lot before. It's going to happen again. You can't go so nuts, Hutton, that you're being restrained by a police officer. You're coming out of your jacket. On the road. And it is clear that Jerry <laughs> I mean, Stackhouse is going to strike one of these officials if he's not held back by multiple coaches and the police officer as he's escorted out of the building. Or I guess into the locker room, I'm sure, is where he went. It was a crazy scene. Yeah, I mean, he keeps going back. I mean, it, it reminded me of like a top-of-the-hour, 9 o'clock Eastern feature between Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin where you have members of the locker room that have to come out and separate the two. Yeah. And then, you know, it's in the script that, oh, Austin will somehow break loose and dive over a pile again to get another swipe at Vince McMahon. This is what this was like. Stackhouse kept going back. And it also reminded me of Kevin Stallings. Remember the, the layup, the, the line, the handshake line or whatever, where he was uh, MFing a player or something like that? Oh, yeah. Uh, Post game. Like, there have been these little small instances where you're like, what, what is going on here? Like, what's up with the coach not having some decorum uh, and being able to just, you know, stay calm, cool, and collected in a situation. And this is like beyond the average. All coaches are getting after officials. This is well past that line. And, yeah, I mean, that's it's something I'm like you. It's like, what was the motive? If he had gotten back to the refs the way he wanted to, how would it have ended? Because Look, it if, took multiple people to pull him back multiple times. If Candace Story Lee, who's the athletic director at Vanderbilt – didn't seemingly want to do everything possible to keep Jerry Stackhouse as the head coach at Vanderbilt, giving him an extension before this season. And he has not been good. They have not won since he's been there. No momentum. They're doing everything in their power to extend this guy's contract and keep him there. If that wasn't the case, and you had a a level-headed AD that given the circumstances of the losing within the program and then that scene that now everyone is talking about today and everyone saw, that coach is fired. I I truly believe that. This would have been a fireable offense combined with the record. Okay, If he's good and he's going to the NCAA tournament every year, he ain't getting fired for losing his you-know-what and going after the officials like that. But given the losing and then given that embarrassing moment – most ADs would probably fire the guy, but he's not going to get fired. He might get another contract extension out of this whole thing. Who knows? It was a crazy scene, though. I can't, I, I can't think of many, you know, non-Bobby Knight. we got to ask Dan Dockich about this next time he comes on. I'm sure he's addressed it as well. But non-Bobby Knight flare-ups to this level. because But with Bobby Knight, you know, I never – he's thrown a chair and yeah. he's gotten after the – I, I, I can't recall times where I'm thinking he's actually going to go physically – Attack the the ref. Well, but but it, this was like a, a, an actual fight's about to break out, right? It was That's embarrassing. I, got. I mean, it was just as embarrassing. You, you, you mentioned Bobby Knight slinging the chair, which is embarrassing, right, for the university, um, a representative of your university and of your fan base um, at the at the pinnacle of the program doing that. It's an iconic moment, but it doesn't make me. I, I wouldn't be proud of it if that were my coach. Uh, no different than last night with the way Stackhouse is acting on the road. Or any coach that's doing something like this. You, you look you like just, an idiot. You just can't have it. And Jerry Stackhouse post game, you know, gave the, I should have more poise, obviously. Sure. And I think he, 
I think I'm blocked by him. I think every media member uh, in the Southeast is blocked by him. But I, if someone retweeted where he tweeted uh, something about like a, just a funny meme, you know, like, oh, you know, woosah or something, <laughs> where you're taking deep breaths. Uh, but then he's also, you know, talk, criticizing the, the officials throughout the whole thing, too. So I don't know. It, it was a bad call. I, I, I'm sure. with him on you get a technical, maybe. It was also a three point game with under eight minutes left in it at that point. They ended up losing by five. I don't know what happened with the technical free throws, but pretty important free throws in a game like that, right? You just dunked it to get down three on the road, and then you get the double technical and tossed afterward during the TV timeout. Wild stuff. And what's the bar now? Like, that's the other thing. Where is Stackhouse going to take Vanderbilt, and what's the end game? Well, see, this is what's going to happen now. If they start playing better because they're not doing well right now, people are automatically going to say, yeah, he showed that he had his teams back, they're not and now to. they're fired up and they're going to start winning. No, but that's going to be the but, response. But playing better means what? Like, they're 42-58 and 58 with him at the helm of the program. They need to get to the NCAA tournament this year, and they're off to a bad start towards that goal. That, that would have been my thing coming into this season. Get to a tournament. That's the goal for this program now. You've been there long enough. Get to a tournament. It certainly, it's very early but definitely does not look like it's going to happen right now. So we'll see. Chad, the Germans advance. They win over uh, Costa Rica 4-2 to two in the World Cup. Did you have Costa Rica on the money line? I no. know. I, I just, I, I'm saying I have multiple, uh, multiple people uh, tweeting out that Germany, uh, they, they, excuse me, they don't advance. They won, but they're out. The oh, Germans are out. They people, win, people and they're are losing out. their minds on social. That the Germans are out. It's the opposite of uh, Team USA. Uh, they won and in, they're winning and in. Yes. Germany wins, and you know what? You can still GTFO. Japan goes through. Spain goes through. Germany just no. one one less global power for team uh, for the U.S. to have to go through now to win the World Cup. That's what that means to me. We're going to talk Antonio Brown and Matt Rule was misled with Carolina. That's next. <laughs> 